What it is, what is up, what is good, gamers? This is Shonuff71, and your auditory canals are tuned into episode 124 of the Gaming Vessels podcast. As usual, I am not in the digital studio alone. Along with me, I got my partners in crime. First up, we got Dez, a.k.a. the Bay Area Terror, a.k.a. the High Res Hater, a.k.a. Cat Daddy, a.k.a. Gamer Step Daddy. What's going on, bro? Not much. Um, sorry we missed you guys for a while, but, you know, life happens. But we are happy to be back. Hope you all have been fantastic. Um, and, yeah, thank you, as always, for joining us. Indeed, indeed. And of course, our show is a no-go without Trader Joe, a.k.a. the Food Max of Gaming, who will maximize your gaming dollar. What's going on, bro? Hey, what's up? Glad to be back. You know, I, I have been on other podcasts since we last recorded, but I'm glad to be back on this one specifically. So, hmm. been moonlighting. Yes. yes. Moonlighting. He always yes. does that. I wonder yes. why I'm a... No wonders why I'm a Rolling Stone stepfather <laughs> over here spending time with his other family. I see you. I see you. All righty. So we're going to jump right into it. First topic on the docket is going to be the playlist. So, Daz, you're on deck. What you been playing, bro? Alrighty, so what have I been playing? Uh, a lot of Monster Hunter Rise. I have just been obsessed with that game, and I think a lot of our friends have been as well. Um, it's just fun to return back to the Monster Hunter world, um, and I think that it's one of those things where it's like an old friend. It's like it's like it's like an old blanket, you know, when you when you when you've had it for a long time and then you forget about it, and then. You know, it has holes in it and it's all, you know, old and then you and then you you find it and then it's all been patched up, you know, with patches on it. It's been Febreze and it just smells great. You know, it's a little bit different, but it's the same. And uh, it's been really fun. And I really like how um, the folks uh, the folks have been adding stuff like new missions um, and just just really kind of being in contact with the player base. I think Monster Hunter is a, is a really uh, great kind of example of of um, uh, products being made um, with a consumer in mind, and then like they have a formula, they ever so slightly change the formula, you know, and then we're able to get you know more hundred hours of great 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 gameplay. So I think that's I think Monster Hunter has really kind of perfected that formula now. Uh, and I cannot wait for uh, World 2. I can't wait for Rise 2. Um, I'm really excited for Monster Hunter Stories. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying my Monster Hunter experience. And I think 2021 just might be the year of Monster Hunter for me. Um, nothing really has, ever, has come close so far to um, a title, a game that has really kind of stuck with me as much as um monster hunter is for 2021 at this moment now i did uh i also played uh rebel galaxy um i was uh i went back to my ps 
my, my PlayStation library on my PS5, and I saw Rebel Galaxy, and I was like, okay, let's try this game out. You know, it's kind of like, uh, it's this weird sort of pirate-type game, but it's in space. Uh, it really is like a... Um, like a pirate ship simulator you know you play this you have a ship that you upgrade and change up all the battle is is taught by broadside meaning it's very much like ship to ship combat as you would see on the high seas uh there's mining you can kill rebels or sorry you can kill uh pirates uh you can help people you can be a pirate um it's just it's just been a really interesting fun game it's very easy to control um i think what i like that's what i like about it is it's not so it's simmy like like a like a simulation type of game but it's not so you know it's not so simmy that it's just just like buttons upon buttons upon buttons upon buttons upon this upon that and you know it's not it's really kind of simplified that way you can kind of get in and and just enjoy flying around in your in your in your spaceship um i i it shows its age, you know, because it came out like six years ago or five or six years ago. And, you know, it, it's simulation games. Some are really great and they really push the envelope on graphics and some don't, you know. And this one is one of the ones that doesn't. But that does not take away from the gameplay. Um, it really makes you want to try Rebel Galaxy Outlaw um, to see because that's much more of a of a of a of a character driven piece. Whereas this one, while you do have a story about finding your missing grandma and all this other stuff. Um, it really is just you flying around, hanging out, um, and mining and doing whatever you want, you know, in these, in these various different, uh, star systems. So I have enjoyed it, um, so far. Um, uh, so I'm, yeah, so I probably will be playing that as well. Uh, two other games that I just added to my, to my list that I'm going to start playing is Subnautica Zero, Subnautica Below Zero. I played the first one, uh, really enjoyed it, but I, I like this one because they basically took an all of taken all of the the nuggets that made the first one well, and they basically uh, capped, you know, ca uh, capitalize on that to make it better. It's a it's a really good story as as I've as I've read. So it's a um you know it's a first person survival game you know under the water, but now you have to contend with freezing cold temperatures as you were towards the Arctic. Um, or, or the cold area of this new planet that you're on, trying to find your missing uh, sister, so or brother. I can't remember. I haven't started playing it yet. But, but it's just funny because it's always fine trying to find a mystery of some sort. So, yeah. but yeah, yeah. But I'll play it. I'll see what I like. What I like about it. I usually uh, for this one, I think it's it, they don't take too seriously the whole survival aspect of it. So you can play and and do at your leisure. And it's kind of like, oh, you probably need to eat something. Oh, you probably need to, you know, drink some water. But it's not one of those things where it's dire consequences and stuff. And you need your oxygen because you're underwater most of the time. So I think it's a really good, um, a really good system. You know, it, it's 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 its play system, I think, is really good. So I will be checking that out. And then the last game that I that I just picked up was Mass Effect Legendary Edition or Collection. Um the first, uh, the, the the first trilogy, one, two, and three. Um, I picked it up because I've only played halfway of the first one. I played a th a quarter of the second one, and I never touched the third one. So I'm looking forward to playing it. Although I'm really kind of worried, though, um, 
there have been a whole bunch of graphical upgrades and I'm not sure my uh my high res Hayden eyes can take all this, you know, upgradedness. So I might have to sell it if it's too if it's too if it looks too good, you know, if it's if it's if it's too high res, I might have to sell it. So just I'll keep you all posted on that. Uh, you can always go buy a 360 version of Mass Effect and one, two and three and go at it. But that, that required me to actually turn on a 360 or turn on a, an Xbox console, and I don't really <laughs> want to do that at the moment. So if I'm going to play Mass Effect in the classic Mass Effect, I'm going to play it on the PC. So just that gotcha. point. Yeah. So. But that's really all that I have been playing and or and, and am going to be playing. So I will uh, push this back over to Kev. Kev, what have you been playing, buddy? Uh, so I have not been playing a whole wide variety of stuff. Um, I have, but I have been just like you, I've been playing monster hunter rise. Uh, I'm in the high rank getting, trying to get starting to build my high ranks, uh, armor and weapon sets. Really quick, really quick. Yeah. Good. Go ahead. Real, real cool. Shout out real quick. Shout out to EJ oh, and, yeah. and the, uh, and the folks at our discord, because one of the reasons why I play a lot of uh, Monster Hunters because of the people that we play with, you know Kevin's nephew, uh, Kevin's nephew EJ plays, Gerald plays, John plays, Alberto plays. It's just a lot of you know folks that play that game with us, and it and it makes it really really fun. And EJ's like he is no joke. Like he's in the one hundreds of his hunter rank. Well, we're lowly back on seven, so mm. he puts in hours, and and he's able to carry us old men. So thank you, EJ. <laughs> yeah, like I said before, he's the reason I came back because after yep. Maggie, I was ready to I was ready to walk away from this game. So uh, all <laughs> yeah. So, uh, on it. Yeah. So I uh, again uh, been playing that, uh, building up my uh, high rank. Uh, weapon sets and armor sets digging into that uh also jumped into a couple other games uh resident evil village i have kill i have slayed the first daughter and that's all i'll mention about that uh that game is phenomenal it is um in comparison to seven i i i will i will be i will be a hundred up a hundred percent up front I wish we were back into third person in Resident Evil. That's just me. Uh, I think RE4 was the sweet spot for that series. And there, I will probably, no one would probably be able to change my opinion on that. But Resident Evil 7, the first person perspective does set a tone for the horror that they're trying to present. And I understand why they went that way. I get it. I understand it. Um, I think Ethan Winters himself is enough of a blank slate where you can just see yourself in this situation. I think that's that's part of what makes... In, in, in lieu of having a character creator, I think Ethan Winters is so generic that you can just by default just see yourself as the main character. And I think that's part of the appeal of the first person uh Resident Evil game. So uh 8 is just absolutely phenomenal. Um I wish I, I was going to say something but that would be a spoiler. But uh, just just uh for, for for sake of getting into spoiler territory uh if horror games are even remotely of interest to you 
and uh, or first person action is of re remote in of remotely of interest to you uh, get village you don't need to have played seven in order to understand what's going on they do a great uh, there is a great catch-up video there is also a combo uh, available that uh, that you can get and it's not uh, unreasonably expensive uh, if you if you are one of the one of the few the proud the PlayStation 5 owners um, and you're able to get one it is part of the I believe it is part of the PlayStation collection Resident Evil 7 is so uh, and it's the Resident Evil 8 does come in a combo pack with 7 and 8 together so if you just want to get the whole story you can play through 7 then jump into 8 right after but playing 7 is not a is not a prerequisite they do a good job of catching you up uh, it's very brief but it's also very succinct so Capcom get a, did a great job of that um, other games I've been playing, a couple other games I've been playing, I played uh, uh, Wild Guns Reloaded. Uh, for those who remember the SNES, uh, there was this game called Wild Guns, which kind of takes, it's an action game, kind of in the mind, in, in the same vein of like, um, for those who ever played Cabal in the arcade or played uh, uh, Dynamite Duke, is kind of Nom 75 too. No, yeah, Nom seventy five. Yeah, uh, it's it kind of in that, in that in that lane. You know, you're a, you're you see your character at the bottom of the screen. You're fighting enemies, and it it's trying to simulate depth of field uh, by uh, layers of of action going on uh, in the in the background, and so you're shooting into the background, kind of. Uh, and that was one of my favorite games on the uh, SNES back in the day. Uh, this is the reloaded version, so it adds, a, I believe it adds a couple new characters. Um, I've been using, I can't remember the name of the character I'm using, but she is like this uh, uh, plus-size cowgirl who throws grenades. And uh, her play style is very, is very unique in comparison to, you know, like someone like Clint or uh, uh, the... Uh, the blonde chick who basically just gun everything down. So you kind of have to be a little bit more purposeful with how you, of where you're aiming. And uh, because the, although the grenades detonate on contact, you can hold down the fire button and you can change the pattern in which she tosses grenades out. So there's like single grenades and she can throw doubles and then she can go, go throw triples quads and uh, pints so she can throw five grenades out at the same time and you have to be cautious of that because as you're holding down the button you're not you know <laughs> putting out anything to defend yourself you so it, it, there's kind of a risk and reward in this kind of fast-paced action game that i really dig so i'm having fun with that uh played a little bit of need for speed hot pursuit uh that game's a lot of fun uh, very. It, I'm playing on the five, so it's you're getting that 60 frames per second. Um, it, it 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 it. I wouldn't call it a remake. It's I believe it is called a remaster. Uh, so it, they they don't even call it a, a remake, but uh, I think it still holds up. Um, very fast paced, very fun. A lot of um, drifting. And uh, <laughs> so I, I'm not very far in it, 
but I played both uh, as a racer and as a cop, and it, and it it's you know it reminds me of, of of when I the first time I played that game on PlayStation Two. So uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun with that. And uh, lastly, uh, I've been playing Returnal, and uh, you know since since I like giving AKAs on on this show, uh, this this game deserves some AKAs. Um, Returnal, aka uh, the fraud exposer, aka fake gamer destroyer, aka game chair mafia annihilator. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna call. That's what I'm gonna regard. Wow. Call Returnal because this game is, and this is coming from somebody who who had the game day one. I didn't. I didn't start playing it officially day one. But it took me for freaking ever to get past the first uh, biome or the first level, for for lack of they call them biomes, but they're technically they're they're just they're levels. Okay. Um, this is a roguelike uh, and a game that it just like it reminds me of Ninja Gaiden in its heyday. Uh, what I would consider its heyday would be Ninja Gaiden 2 and Ninja Gaiden Hurricane Pack. You have to master the environment. You have to master the weapons. You have to understand the patterns of your enemies. You have to you have to get a grip on on all of that. You have to learn which. Uh, upgrades to your what uh, what upgrades upgrades to your suit are going to be the most beneficial. You, there's a lot that you have to learn uh, about this game. It is straightforward. It is easy to it is easy to play. Controls like a, a dream, silky smooth. But it is hard, and you have to you have to learn to the, the it doesn't hold your hand. You have to learn the rules of this game. Uh, through the, the 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 school of hard knocks, there's a reason why it's called Returnal because you're going to die a lot, and your dying and returning is actually part of the story. Um, this game is as a far as far as 2021 is concerned, it's it's my game of the year right now. Um, that may change with Ratchet and Clank coming up uh, and some other games that are that are supposed to drop this year, but it's definitely going to be in my in my game of the year discussion, I just a couple days ago, so several days ago now, just reached uh, Biome Two, and it. I've I'm I've, I'm using different weapons now and learning the every level you have to learn the environment. And again, as you, when you die and come back, you're not playing the exact same level is going to change it's going to it's going to contort it's going to it's not going to be the exact same thing now what i've learned about it is that there are certain key rooms that really don't change but they will be in different locations on the map there'll be like two or three rooms that that serve a specific purpose and those those purposes are like um the lock rooms which you'll be locked in uh and face 
an escalating an escalating difficulty uh, a number of waves of enemies and the purpose of those rooms is to get you resources the currency i forget the name of the of what it is that you collect but it's the currency of the game so they want you to do those rooms so you can collect currency which allows you to use these fabricators which will enhance either a enhance your suit or give you um, power-ups that you can utilize on your run. And it you have to explore. The more you explore, the better off you're going to be, particularly when you move on to the next to the next levels. Once you beat a boss, once you've cleared a stage and you move forward and you die, do you do start over from the beginning, but you don't have to fight the boss again. And more often than not, once you die and come back, the rooms that the bosses were in are fairly close to where you start because, again, everything changes. So, like, uh, I, I made it to the SAG. I beat the first level boss, took, took, took him out. So when I died and come back, I, even though I was in the second, the second biome, getting to the second biome even with everything changing, the second biome access was not very far from my ship. But you're still, you, you do yourself a disservice if you don't at least explore a little bit of that first level because you're going to build your weapon proficiency. You're going to find boosts and weapons that once you get into that second biome, that will be of greater benefit to you. And again, the higher you are, your weapon proficiency in particular you are when you get to those subsequent biomes, the higher ranked weapons you're going to be, dis you'll be discovering once you get uh, to those later levels. Um, and like I said, this game is, is absolutely phenomenal. The story is actually very good. Um, I A lot of people would call it throwaway. I would not. And some kind of way housemark has combined uh difficult roguelike gameplay with a really good narrative story and it this this game is fantastic it and I, like i always say not every game is for everybody and if you don't like a challenge if you because there have been times where especially particularly fighting that first boss where it's not really the boss that is difficult. It's getting to the boss and not having enough resources to actually carry, to cover the mistakes that I made with that boss to get me, that would allow me to get me past it. I have whittled that thing down to, you know, slivers of life and died. And I was just like, you know, almost ready to throw my controller. But everything that this game does it does so well, I keep going back to it. And again, like, like I said, I, I don't dislike hard, difficult games, you know. Played Ninja Gaiden. The Ninja Gaiden is my favorite, you know, third-person action series ever. Uh, I, I have played and will go back and complete Sekiro at some point. That is a hard-ass game. Um, and Returnal is a return to arcade quick reflex you got to figure things out you got to get in there and 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 get it done uh 
And when you die, you know, you start over. There are some things that you can do that will allow you to continue from the point where you died, but you have to go and seek those resources out. And this game ain't going to hold your hand. This game is going to make you, you have to figure out how to play the rules as established by the makers of this game and make them work to your benefit. And if you are not that type of player that wants to do that, then this game is definitely not for you. But if you if you are a mass a gaming masochist like I am, uh, and you have grown up playing difficult games uh, that uh, punish you for dying, then you will you will enjoy Returnal. Um, and uh, <laughs> the reason I gave it those AKAs is because this game has done something that I haven't seen in a long time. It has exposed frauds like no other, just about no other game in recent, in, in recent, uh, in recent times. Um, there are people that are given their reviews who have like watched other people play it on YouTube and they're calling it a review. There are people that who have people who are given reviews who have not finished the game and the game if you're to actually play from the beginning to end um, will take you about, from what I understand, it's going to take you about four to five hours. And people have given in the review and they say, you know, we, I haven't been able to finish it. You know, don't call it a review. Uh, call it an impression or call it a, 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 I don't know, first impression or an impression, something like that. Because what you're doing is not a review. And it has also brought out exposed, and I'm when I'm, when I'm, talk, I'm not talking about everyday game, everyday gaming folks like us. I'm talking about those folks who get paid for their opinion. You know, IG influencers. Uh, not even necessarily influencers, even though I you can probably put them in that group too. I'm talking about paid reviewers, like IGN type people. And, you know, folks coming out and saying, like, one, one of these paid folks came out and says, well, this is a reason why, this is a reason why uh, Game Pass is, is so great is because, you know, you don't have to spend $70 on, on, on this and you can try it. And if you don't like it, you can, you can, you know, you can just delete it. You know, doing things like basically trying to shame, like, in, in, in my opinion, trying to shame people for wanting to buy something that they think is going to give them a lot of joy. And again, the marketing behind Returnal, you were told what this game was going to do. The, yep. You were told that this game is going to be brutal difficulty-wise. You were told, I mean, it's in the freaking title. You know, die and return. That's what you're going to be doing. It was billed as a roguelike. It was shown off as a very difficult game. But folks have their agendas, and they they let this this game expose a lot of these cats. And uh, you know, I I mean, and I'll just say this, and then I'll then then I'll then I'll be done. I gave up on on paying attention to paid reviewers. A long, 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 long time ago. So, so I'm I'm kind of out of that. But this game, more so than any game in in recent time, 
has just reinforced that decision. If you get paid to review a game, I have no interest in knowing uh, of 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 knowing what you think about it. I, I mean, and and that that may sound that may sound cold. It's like, well, Shona, if you're doing a podcast and you're giving your opinion, so so what's the difference? Well, the difference is is I go and I buy my own damn games, and I play them, and I give if if it's a review or if it's an opinion, I will tell you that, and it because it this is money that I have spent, and I and I've made a decision to buy a game, and I do a podcast to share what my impressions or my reviews are of that game. These people get paid to do it. These these the, they get donated these games. They have their own opinions, their biases, and games like when games like this comes out, it fully exposes all of it. So I would encourage people, if you find somebody that has similar taste to you, and, and then you know, go ahead and take advantage of that. But I don't care if it's me, I don't care if it's, you know, Jeff Grubb, I don't care if it's Whoever, whoever gets paid to give their opinion, do your own homework. I mean, we carry these smartphones that are basically supercomputers in our pockets every day. You can find out if a game is for you just by doing the most minimal amount of research. It ain't that hard, (laughs) you know, and you don't have to be super hardcore to, to figure that stuff out. Um, let do your own thinking for you. I mean, this is a hobby. It's supposed to bring you happiness and supposed to bring you a little bit of escapism and a little bit of joy in your in your regular nine in nine to five grind that we all do every day. Um, don't let other people spoil that. And I, I think I find that that I think that's the thing that I that really ticks me off the most is that there are people actively trying to spoil people's joy over this game or happiness over this game. And I don't care, and, and Returnal is just the example. I wouldn't care if this was on the Xbox, on the Switch, on PC, whatever. Uh, don't let other people take away your happiness when you're enjoying something in the hobby that you've spent your hard-earned money on. And and that's where, that's where, I'm, that's where I'm going to end it. So... Unless you guys have something you want to add to that, uh, <laughs> that that will conclude my playlist. Oh, I picked up Returnal, but I haven't played it yet, so I'm still mm. in my life. But uh. <laughs> all right, Joe. Well, then, yeah, what you been playing, man? Yeah, uh, just a ton of Monster Hunter Rise, and so uh, you know, it's just been really just like just to reiterate what Dez has said uh, and Kev that our community just seems like uh, it's just something cool that I could turn on my switch or, you know, get a notification on discord that, you know, Gerald's on, or if uh, Des decides to fire it up and play and so on and so forth. Or if, uh, you know, if we put up a notification pretty quickly, EJ is like popping in on there. Uh, So I just, uh, just really been enjoying just uh, doing that with, and, you know, getting the camaraderie, as well as the gameplay on that. So as far as Hunter rank, like uh, Desmond said, we just passed Hunter rank uh, six. We fought the um, 
monster. I forgot the name of it off the top. I was trying to look it up real quick, but it's basically a um, a spider, a, a spider that is uh, has some uh, fire capability on there. Do you remember the name of that uh, uh, monster, Des, by chance? I call it Charlotte. There you go. <laughs> It was the, that's probably the funnest monster I fought in that game so far. I really enjoyed that fight. Yeah, and uh, for sure, I mean, I've been enjoying it. Uh, we're at Hunter Rank Seven. I'm just waiting for uh, when Hunter Rank becomes unlocked, and that we could kind of join Gerald and EJ and get our Hunter Rank up there and whatnot. So, you know, even last night, I was just enjoying going through the village quest and then doing all my optional. Um, you know, little side missions and stuff to go ahead and open up the third submarine and whatnot. So, I mean, it's pretty much, uh, you know, I always love doing hunts. And so, you know, that's going to, going to be my constant. I don't know what game is going to take me off of it, but, uh, I did, uh, happen not this weekend, but the prior weekend jump into the fantasy star online Two new Genesis closed beta on there on the PC. And I played that. Uh, quite a bit of time. I think about five, six hours in total on there. And uh, I created a, uh, a hunter. Not a hunter. Yeah, I think it was a hunter character on there. So it's just your plain standard human uh, like character class on there. And, uh, you know, it plays a lot like Fantasy Star Online 2. Um, it has a lot of the same quirks, meaning that it has a lot of the um, leveling up and using the uh, materials to level up the weapons. It was a little confusing, um, but the tutorial pretty much didn't have you do all that. Just had you go from place to place and kind of learn some of the moves. And so uh, the moves, as far as the characters are concerned, are just a lot more varied as far as the types of movement uh, that you could do. If you're not familiar with PSO2 uh, in general, I mean, it's kind of similar to a Monster Hunter game, but it's a lot more arcadey on there. So it's a lot more of a uh, slice and dice, hack and slash action, per se, on that. And um, a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the openness of it is just very different from PSO2 in general, but uh, it's almost like they took PSO2 and just uh, decided, okay, let's make this more open world. Let's make you go around and explore. Uh, problem is the NPCs and the dialogue is still kind of where, um, you know, it's translated into English, but uh, I think they could have done a better job at least so far in the descriptions as far as what you need to go do. Uh, the tutorials even are in that kind of like, you know, weird uh, translated English as well. And so, you know, we'll have to see how well this does. Um, I know it's free to play. Uh, even though I played the closed beta on the PC, it is coming out for Xbox and uh, Windows PC and Steam on there. Unfortunately, there's a PS4, PS5 version that is stuck in Japan because Microsoft helped pony up the money with Sega to uh, translate this game into English and to make sure it was launching day and date in the West as opposed to in Japan. And so that's the reason why we're not going to be able to play it either on the Switch uh, via, you know, online cap capability as far as uh, connecting to an online server or by playing on the PlayStation console, unfortunately. So 
But uh, Kevin Dez, like a lot of the same quirks with PSO2 are also on PSO2 New Genesis as far as uh, going to the counter and trying to level up weapons and uh, using materials to grind your weapons into, you know, better stats and so on and so forth and uh, trying to find where the quest givers are at and that kind of thing. So I'm going to play it like I, I just wasn't really into just doing going in like I want to play it on a console is what I really want to do. So this might be another reason why I, I plug in my my Xbox or or I might play it on PC um, if if it has controller support, which it probably will. So oh, I play I play with an Xbox controller. Oh, so, yeah. well, there you go. So I'll probably end up playing it on PC uh, once it once it comes out fully, because I want to try it again. You know, I just it I, I just have to agree with with Kev with Kev's feelings in the past. It just it just it took a lot to get through a lot of the stuff in the first game, and plus the first game it looked it looked dated, and I was just like, now that dated games aren't are bad it's just it just looked kind of like you know and i just you know there was just a lot to do it and i was just i was just not feeling it so that's why i'm thinking this new one is going to be good um and i can just do it you know from my um from my pc and and it'll be good you know yeah, the the field reminded me a lot of Xenoblade is that um, you weren't loading into cities. You didn't have to go down and warp back to uh, home base or anything like that. Basically, you were able to jump right in back and glide back to home, actually. Yeah. So so the, it's actually a lot more. Take some influences from Xenoblade Chronicles, I could tell on there, but uh, it's not like it's, uh, you know, doing a carbon copy or anything like that. So yeah, and I was because I watched a lot of gameplay uh, from it and seeing a lot of people playing it, and and some people were some people who were not familiar familiar with the PSO two. Um, we're not familiar with this one only because it took a lot of inspiration from the second one. So from the last one. So, um, but having it be a pseudo open world, uh, is really kind of cool. So I I'm interested in playing it. I want to see how it plays. Um, I think some of the backstory is screaming a lot of, of final fantasy, you know, with the, like, there's these evil creatures called the dolls and these other people, show up and they're kind of like you know the player character and they don't they don't have a memory of where they came from and blah 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 which is kind of like the the thing from final fantasy 14 so it's kind of like okay you know so it'd be kind of cool just to get back and get started at the beginning of this because pso2 uh, because it came here so late, it just felt like I was just playing catch up, and there's just like a lot of content releasing at once. And especially if I just want to dip my toe in it, it's like you know, it's like I don't want to try to keep up when, like, I, I turn around and they're running like season two, season three content already for it. So, and I definitely, I still enjoyed it. Uh, one thing I was making the, uh, I think when I was talking to you about it, Des, is like the the feel of view. It's a little bit too tight on the hunter character I was playing. I was wish I could push it out a little bit more, but I wasn't able to go into my settings to kind of figure that out. But uh, you know, you can't. I'm I'm probably pretty sure there probably is a way to do it. I could have possibly checked to see if I can bump up my resolution on my monitor too on my PC on here. But I, I liked it enough to where you know, even though I didn't partake in a lot of the bigger stress tests type of open player uh you know big battles with 
you know, the huge monsters, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I tried to dip in and I was going to create a ranger character. I figured since my field of view was a little bit too tight for my uh, hunter character that um, mm-hmm. if I was going to do a little bit more like a, a field of view, like, you know, have a more of a gunning, like a far away type of uh, gameplay that I'd be able to try that. So, so definitely it's though this game's on my radar i'm going to be checking it out i'll probably be playing it both on pc and on series x give me a chance to you know fire that thing up and wipe the dust off it at least so are the menus back a lot of the menus are the same yeah okay i'm out (laughs) you might want to see i mean we'll let Mm -hmm. you know for sure no i ain't messing with all them menus (laughs) that's what that's what it it, it, i don't know i'm not the mmo guy i'm just not I, I don't know how I don't think there were as complex as PSO2 on there. It reminded me a little bit because it's in the same. I kind of wish they would have cleaned it up a little bit, you know. So, and maybe after Des checks it out, man, after the game comes out, we'll have a better opinion of it. Especially since it's just a beta, you know, as far as if they're able to, you know, get this thing where it's a lot more streamlined, you know. So. But other than those two games, that's pretty much all I've been up to in these last three weeks. Pretty much, I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise like hardcore. So, okay, okay. Well, with that, we're going to move on to our next topic on the docket. That being the main event. All right, Des, you got the mic, man. All righty. So, so we have a. A good, pretty good main event right now. Uh, it is the top three to end all top threes. What are your three favorite games in your favorite genre or on your favorite platform, i.e. top three JRPGs uh, or top three Sega Saturn games? Let us know your best of the best, and we will talk about it on our next pod. So before I start reading uh, what our... Um, what our listeners said, I want to throw this out to Kev. What are some of your three uh, top threes? Oh, uh, okay. So let, I'm going to take I'm going I'm to take this like uh, gen by gen real quick. Okay. Uh, in television, top three. Uh, number three is going to be uh, uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons for in television. Uh, that game was that game was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it was an it was an action. It was very little. You were doing very little advanced dungeoning or dragoning. You were just a dude shooting arrows and, <laughs> and stuff that came your way, and it it was super dope. You could you could uh, ricochet arrows off angled edges of the uh, of the maze and hit monsters that weren't even popping up on the screen. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was super dope. Um, number two, that's number three. Number two, I'm going to have to say is, uh, Night Stalker. Uh, that was the first game that I saw running on an Intellivision at a locally owned department store. Uh, you were basically kind of reminiscent of, uh, Berserk for those who played Berserk in the arcade back, back, way, way back in the day. Um, you're a dude running around. You're fighting off bats, giant bats, spiders, and robots. And uh, you shoot, you know, you all the the 
not the uh, four nautical points, north, south, east, and west, are the directions that you can shoot. And you're in a maze, and you blast these robots. And as your score goes up, the difficulty of the robots increases, uh, ultimately ending in an invisible robot that will destroy your shelter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so once you die, if you have extra men, that freaking robot would head straight to your spawn point, which is your bunker, and would just literally destroy your bunker. So as you spawn, you're actually, you know, you, it will just annihilate all your men. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so that's Night Stalker is number two. And number one... Number one is hard because, uh, and I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna plant I'm gonna put my foot down. I was gonna go. Well, I have two number ones, so I'm not gonna do that. Number one is Space Hawk. Uh, Space Hawk. You are you play the role of, you're an astronaut in deep space. How you got there, I have no idea. You don't have a ship. It's just you out there, and you have this. For lack of a better word, it's a Mr. Bubbles gun that shoots space bubbles, and you're fighting these giant, literal space hawks that come out after you and trying to kill you. I can't tell you how many hours I put into that game. That space hawk is, uh, wow! It just just thinking. I'm. I'm. It takes me back to being a little kid. And, and sitting on a beanbag and just wasting hours and hours of a Saturday evening playing that game. Uh, it was open space, open world, quote-unquote, un, quote open space. Uh, and you just literally floated through space <laughs> in your spacesuit, uh, shooting at these mechanized hawks with your 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 space bubble, bubble gun shooter. It, it was just absolutely awesome. So, um, so yeah, that's my top three for Intellivision. For Saturn, um, I'm going to say my favorites were um, Elevator Action 2. I'm going to say number two was... Um, uh, uh, oh, gosh, I was, about to, I was just about to say it. Number two... Saturn game was probably I will just I will just call it Astel because I'm kind of stuck on on what I would use for number two even though that's probably not correct. But number one, uh, for sure, without question, is Guardian Heroes. Um, Love that game. Uh, multiple. It was a co-op game, and your I think it was three player co-op. It might have been four. I'm not sure. Can't remember, but there was also an, an NPC character that was this undead warrior that you could have it do like general things, like see the set to defend or attack. And uh, I, the gameplay, you had the each character had their own lane. Enemies would attack in their own lane, and you could hop from lanes into the foreground, the mid ground, and the background. And you could basically do like uh, these uh, 2D fighting game moves and just build up these massive combos. And like there was a mage, there was a warrior, uh, there was like a thief character. And I think there was, was there an archer? I can't remember. There was an archer, yeah. There was an archer, yeah. And, and that game was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, so there's that. And then for, I'll finish it with my genre. Um, I will say... 
I will I will choose my my favorite uh, fighting games because even though beat 'em ups are my favorite genre now, they used to, fighting games used to be my favorite. Number three, I'm going to say is Dragon Ball Fighters um, because I think that is the the closest that we've come for those of us who are fans of the series to getting a game that close best represents what that series is all about big explosions uh energy beams and uh uh you know lots of you know characters yelling and charging up that's that's in dragon ball fighters all the way uh number two i'm going to say is samurai showdown 2 because i think that game best captures snk and what SNK was all about in the early 90s, being a legitimate challenger to Capcom for the crown of the, of trying to, getting the crown in the arcade space as far as fighting games was concerned. Uh, Samurai Showdown 2 was just, just, it, and it had its problems. It had its quirks, like all games <laughs> back then. Uh, if you mastered Ukyo's uh, instant, instant swallow swipe you could beat everybody but that game was just absolutely amazing um love to play it and then first number one probably still my favorite over overall pound for pound fighting game is uh a mark of the wolves it, it it's the character design it it's 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 kind of like the last of the, I won't say the last of the Mohicans for that raster, raster graphics hand-drawn style, but when I think of those styles of games, um, Mark of the Wolves, is it just kind of best represents that. You got old man Terry Bogard with his bomber jacket. Uh, you, you know, you've got uh, uh, the young upstart... Um, the son of Geese Howard, who Terry trained after killing his dad. Uh, you know, you have the protege of Andy and and my Shui Nui. It 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 act it actually kind of builds nicely into the lore of of Fatal Fury really well, um, and and it also plays excellently. So uh, those are my those are going to be my top three for different. Different things. Yeah, fantastic. So uh, we're going to go to one of our listeners. Willie D has has a list that kind of rivals yours, Car- uh, uh, Kevin. So he says, my list per generation, mind you, is Atari 2600, Combat, Missile Command, and Defender, mm-hmm. uh, Apple IIe, Car Builder, F-15 Strike Eagle, Test Drive, Test drive was excellent. So, mm-hmm. NES, uh, Contra, Super Mario Brothers three, Ducktales, <laughs> great games by the way. Uh, Sega Genesis, Streets of Rage one and two. That uh, okay, I'll put those as I'll put those as one. Okay, it's fine. Uh, uh, Desert Strike slash Jungle Strike, and then Road Rash one and two. Okay, you got a couple more in there, but we'll let that slide because they're from the same. They're from the same. You know. Um, the same series. Uh, Xbox, Halo 1 and 2, Kator, or Knights of the Old Republic, uh, Mech Assault, mm-hmm. um, Xbox 360, Halo 3, Mass Effect 1 through 3, Batman Arkham City, 
uh, Xbox One, PS4, Switch, Battlefield 4, Assassin's Creed 1 and 2, and Zelda Breath of the Wild. All righty. All righty. I can, I can definitely get behind a couple of those, definitely, because some of those that you listed were on my favorites list. Uh, those being uh, my top three would have to be uh, Batman, uh, Arkham City, and uh, I thought I thought the Batman games in general were really good. I think it it, it for me it introduced me to the back and forth kind of uh, the the parry attack uh, kind of gameplay uh, that that I that that other uh, companies have been using. I thought they were really good. I thought the way Batman played and how he attacked and how he moved was really good. Um, and I thought they did from Arkham Asylum. They did. They they really branched out in Arkham City and made it so much better uh, than what it was uh, prior. I would have to say my number two uh, would definitely definitely have to be uh, Knights of the Old Republic. I played that game over and over again. I played the second one over and over again as well. And I know this is going to be blasphemy, but I, I really loved uh, the second one more than the first one. I thought, I thought the second one was fantastic um, compared to the, to the first one. And, and another reason why is because I think the first one, even though it was good, uh, it lingered at the beginning. And I think that was the problem. That first world, you just really wanted to, to get to... Like you wanted to get to being a Jedi, and it took it took too long to get there in the first one. I get it; they were trying to tell the story, they were trying to set the tone and everything. But but for whatever reason, that first that first planet just took forever for me to get through, and I was just like, oh my god. And and my number one favorite game, um, okay, and this is gonna be um, probably a controversial one. Um, because I massive because I'm um, sorry because um I really like Monster Hunter and I thought Monster Hunter was fantastic um and I've played them all so I think all of the Monster Hunters would be my number one choice for for all of them uh because as a franchise I think that they have always delivered something uh that was similar yet different and different enough that that it made me want to play it more. And, uh, and 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 the reason why I say that is because if you look at a similar a similar um, uh, series, uh, and I, I'm going to do, I know they're different they're different genres, but I think they you can compare them for what they've done over the course of a couple of generations. Whereas Pokemon introduces new things to catch, and the central the, the central grab is catch them all, gotta catch them all. The stories and the and the gameplay never really evolved like Monster Hunter. And I think those are the difference between those two series as they're both long long running series, but but they the way that Pokemon has evolved, it has always been these little bits and increments. And and that used to be really kind of cool, but but over the long term, it's just it just hasn't lasted, you know. And and they really need to revitalize the the kind of core concept of it. Um, whereas Monster Hunter has taken that core concept and done just enough to make it good for for a lot of people. And I and that's why I'm hoping that when 
when Pokemon comes out with their their new game, the um the 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 kind of open world one, you know, that that's like a prequel. I'm really looking yeah. forward to that game because they finally uh, have taken the time to actually re look at the form look at the formula and and really start changing the recipe. And sort of like what happened with World, you know. Um so so for me, my number one across all generations i was gonna say mass effect andromeda because i really enjoyed that game but to put it at my number one is just i think would be you know considering all the other games that i've played and all the other um genres that i've stuck with no matter no matter throughout through generations monster hunter has just been my all-time favorite it's just it's just always been there and i have really really good memories of it i mean it's the only game that i actually went to an uh, an actual event and spent all day playing so yeah for me it, it'll always be monster hunter um so gerald comes in and says uh nintendo uh legend of zelda ocarina it's time uh for xbox 360 he has oblivion fable for playstation he has god of war series i have to admit the god of war series was was pretty good uh, Ratchet and Clank, fantastic series. Uh, Maximo, Ghosts to Glory. And I remember having so much fun playing these games. And that's the best thing about these games, is, is it the ones that, that you remember having the most fun with? So, Joe, uh, what, are, um, what are some of your top, uh, top threes? I know you probably got a bunch, buddy. I got a few, but uh, decided not to do the cold standard-like platform, so... Uh, I'm going to start off and this is just going to kind of go off the cuff a little bit, but, uh, this is going to be my top three NES JRPGs. So, wow. <laughs> and my number three, uh, Faxanadu. I don't know if you guys ever played this one, but it was like a, uh, side scrolling, like, you know, action RPG, uh, that was developed, uh, by Falcom on there. That was kind of a spinoff of the Dragon Slayer series. But I just felt like that game was just pretty badass for an NES game. And it was a little bit different. It was more of an action RPG uh, versus just a straight turn-based RPG. And I just have great memories of it to this day. Uh, my number two for top three NES JRPGs, uh, the original Final Fantasy. I uh, you know it was between um, you know Nintendo's bring over Dragon Warrior, which is Dragon Quest in Japan, and then bringing over the first Final Fantasy that just got people into uh, the genre. And at the time, it wasn't my first JRPG. My first JRPG was actually the original Fantasy Star on um, the Master System, the Sega Master System. So. But uh, that definitely got me hooked and got me looking at the NES for some further fixes on there. And then my number one top three NES JRPGs, um, I would have to say Dragon Warrior 4, a.k.a. Dragon Quest 4. Because, you know, that game, for whatever reason, they uh, had you play different characters in different chapters. And then they basically at the end introduced all the characters together at the end in one big uh climatic uh kind of finale at the end as far as the last chapter so it's kind of almost like you got like uh you know four different uh 
stories and then you're able to at the fifth chapter to be able to go in and, and bring that in and, and bring the story home and just playing that over and just at the time it was just like oh my god this is so good <laughs> kind of thing you know it's way different from the Dra dragon warrior one that everyone pretty much played through their free uh, uh promotion with nintendo power it's because unfortunately when Nintendo brought out the first Dragon Quest. They thought they would sell a bucket load, and they wound up with a plenty of extras that they wound up uh, giving away for free with a subscription to Nintendo Power, actually. So, on that, have any of you guys played any of those games, or remember, or is that just a little bit before your time? It's before my time, dude. Unfortunately, okay. I, don't, I don't remember it hardly at all. Yeah, because like Dragon Warrior Four came out, I think, in 1991, I believe. So. Yeah, that was before I really like. I had been playing video games at that time, but that's before I really started, really got into it, though. Yeah. All right, and then my next sets are top threes of some of my favorite series. So, uh, next, first one I'm gonna start off with is the Shining series. So people forget yeah, about Shining, Shining Force. Yeah, Force. and yeah, Climax, the uh, developer of those games, up to a certain point. Um, are fantastic. They're the same developers that wind up uh, like working on, believe it or not, uh, the first Hot Shots Golf, and then they also have done like Mario Golf, Mario Tennis, and they're also behind the Golden Sun series too. So they kind of had an infamous like split from Sega. They got in a big like kind of uh, he said she said situation. <laughs> so they stopped developing for Sega altogether, and so all the Shining games that were on the like the PS2. We're all, you know, internal Sega studios, and you can see where the series just kind of went off and went to La La Land. There was a lot of, like, uh, anime biddies and all this other stuff and by the time it was on PS2, PS3. So uh, my top three for the Shining series now. My number three, Shining in the Darkness. So if you don't remember this one, this is a Genesis game. Uh, but it was a, a first-person dungeon uh, type game on there where it was all done in first person and uh, you're like going through forests, you're mapping your uh, dungeons out and I just thought the gameplay was just excellent. Kind of remind me of the original Fantasy Star on that. So, and then my number two is going to be Shining Force 2 on their excellent tactical RPG. It kind of created that genre along with Fire Emblem, but that game never came out in the US. So this is like a nice little introduction to that genre with Shining Force 1 and Shining Force 2. Shining Force 2 is definitely the greatest, you know, out of the two. Uh, I would probably throw Shining Force 3 in, but Shining Force 3 only it was released in Japan with three separate games, all, you know, just kind of like similar to Dragon Warrior 4, where they culminated in, in one big finale. And because how poor Sega handled the Saturn in the West, they only released the first chapter of Shining Force 3 here on here. There is a project to translate those into English, which is pretty much done. But uh, Shining Force 2 is going to be my number two. And then my number one, uh, Shining the Holy Ark. So this is like a kind of a pseudo sequel to Shining in the Darkness that was released for the Sega Saturn. Same thing, a first person dungeon crawler with, uh, you know, obviously moving from tile to tile and great like uh, turn based combat. And I just, I love that game to this day. I wish I still had it, you know. So. <laughs> And next series I'm going to move to is Fantasy Star. So Fantasy Star, I've been a big fan, like I alluded to earlier. So my number three 
is going to be the uh, quite excellent Fantasy Star Portable Second on the PSP. You know, me and you, Des, we played this quite a bit when we were firing up our PSP for a minute, and I just felt like it was just like a excellent culmination of the gameplay from the Fantasy Star Online series. So you I remember don't... that? I don't remember that all. Just kidding. I remember it. Yes, of course I do. <laughs> yeah, we played, a, we played a crap ton of that game. Yeah, it really was the first game that really got me into PSO. So. In fact, I don't know if you realize, but they just recently, some group went in and they, because um, what Sega did with the Fantasy Star Portable 2nd is that they had um, like a kind of a indoll G version, like a, like a final version of it uh, that they released in Japan, but they never released in the U.S. in English at all or anything like that. So they have, a fan group has gone, gone in and actually translated that into entirety into English, so. So I might, I might be, uh, if I ever decide to fire up my PSP ever again, might be a, a thing to go do on that. So um, my number two Fantasy Star game is Fantasy Star 4 for the Genesis. I think out of the four mainline, like, old-school turn-based Fantasy Stars, this is probably the culmination, the best game in the series, the most balanced, I could say. Uh, Fantasy Star 1 was a grind. Fantasy Star 2 is, like, it would make Fantasy Star 1 look, like child's play it was like made super grindy for the fact that you know they didn't want people to finish the game easily and sell it or trade it back in they made games hard back in the day so that you weren't one able to beat it with a rental two (laughs) not (laughs) trading stuff back in so it was like you know basically it was like balls to the wall hard there was a recent podcast i was listening to where a guy was using a hack to get like four times the experience playing fantasy star two. And towards the end of the game, he was still having uh, the grind to get past certain enemies. So that's just bad. And then my number one fantasy star uh, title of all time is obviously going to be fantasy star online one and two plus on here. This is kind of culmination because the original fantasy star online came out for dreamcast. I just love that game to death, but then I ultimately moved over uh, to Xbox and to GameCube. And the, it was the GameCube version. I think I played the most of on there. And, you know, I had all the aches and pains because sometimes there would be things where if you uh, lost connection with the server for some reason, because this is a constantly online game. It was the first online game I played on console. But there was an issue to where sometimes if you um, suddenly disconnected from the server, it would wipe your save off your memory card. And so I've had multiple, <laughs> like Yikes. I'm dealing with a level, like 131 character, you know, hundreds of hours golf on the way of the dodo. And I've had that happen I think three times in total so it was enough to like <laughs> oh no no i know and i still got in with the grind either way so that's crazy that's dedication something so Craziness, but whatever <laughs> all right and then my last top three top three monster hunter games so so i dared to go in and rank my top three monster hunter games so my number three is going to be Monster Hunter Freedom Unite on the PSP on here. So that was like, I think, uh, the all the uh, Monster Hunter games, Monster Hunter Portable, Monster Hunter Portable Second, and then Monster Hunter Freedom Unite was like the G-rank, uber-duber version of Monster Hunter um, 2, basically. So, so it's kind of funny that Monster Hunter 2 was originally released in Japan on the PS2, but it was never released 
in the U.S. And so it pissed me off to no end because I enjoyed the first Monster Hunter on the PlayStation 2. And I just thought it was just odd that they weren't releasing it in the West. But they decided to re release a portable version on the PSP, which then uh, kind of culminated. Uh, Monster Hunter Portable 2nd was the... Uh, like PSP version of Monster Hunter 2 and then uh, Monster Hunter Freedom Unite was basically the like ultimate version of that and I just felt like that that game was like the Congalongas, the Kezus of the world you know and uh, uh, just kind of got into the you know I, I think Monster Hunter 1 planted the seed Monster Hunter Freedom Unite kind of got the itch then from there so uh, my number two uh, for Monster Hunter games of all time, Monster Hunter Rise. Actually, I'm putting it up there. Uh, and then maybe it's just because I'm, I'm recently playing it right now, but I just felt the wire bug and everything that kind of added the accessibility to it. It's just a really nice game. It's just a really nice game. So, and, It's been really fun so far. Yeah. And then, of course, my number one, and probably to no surprise, the Monster Hunter One, Desmond. first one, Monster Hunter Three Ultimate is going to be my number one. So, you know, what what can you say? It's like uh, swimming, hate it or love it. I got used to it. I actually enjoyed it. Um, Jen Moran, you know, fighting the sand uh, creature in the desert and that whole thing uh, just was just crazy. Uh, just the amount of fun that we had with that game and the years that we played it between the three 3DS version, playing it portably uh -huh. with friends, um, taking the Wii U out on road trips. And, um, yeah, it's just, it was the end all be all. Playing online uh, with folks, you know, it was the first one that we uh, did a little online gaming with as well because they did have online capabilities to that. You know, you weren't, PSP, you had the, uh, basically, you know, it was a lot of local play if need be. And I be believe there was some online capabilities of the PSP versions, if I'm not mistaken. But it's just it was when Monster Hunter 3 uh, try on the Wii, you know, I remember that Wii Speak. <laughs> the uh, Wii microphone was just bad. Yeah, it was bad. That was but, like, ugh. Yeah, and I felt that try was actually pretty fun, but I think three ultimate, the G rank version of uh, three try, kind of knocked that out of the park, in my opinion. So, so those are my top three monster hunters, and that's my top threes for this episode. So, all right, cool. So we got one more. Uh, Ren or EJ uh, says top JRPGs is Persona Persona Five Royale, uh, Mario and Luigi Dream Team. Uh, I have to admit the the Mario and Luigi for the for the 3DS those that series of games was really good those those Mario and Luigi RPGs like that was the first time that I really felt that the brothers were doing it together you know they were they were in it to win it together and they were and they had a they had a mission I really would like to see those ported over to uh, to the Switch because those were some really good games uh, Dream Team Bowser's Inside Story all of those were um, were all really good. Uh, good games. Uh, and then this last one is Final Fantasy 15. So that's a pretty good list, I have to admit. You know, so thank you everybody for, for sharing your lists. Uh, we really appreciate 
all the people who take the time to be a part of our main event. Uh, you guys really, you know, help make this possible. We really appreciate it. Our next topic is, so check this out. You know, if you want to feel old, here you go. Uh, the Xbox is celebrating its 20th anniversary, and it's it's upon us. Yay! I guess. Uh, in celebration, <laughs> we like to know, what are some of your fondest memories of Xbox from the last 20 years? Your highs, your lows, and in between. So let us hear it. You know, what are some fond memories? Uh, please, please try to keep the lows to a minimum. You know, we really we really do want to celebrate it. I know we can, we can be kind of down on Xbox, but that's only because we want it to strive. We want it to do better, you know, in our eyes. So so please, you know, take a few moments. Think about the, you know, the, the, the good times you've had with Xbox and please share them with us. And at the end of the show, Kevin will let you know how you can do that. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it back to Kevin. Thanks, everybody. All right. So again, uh, as Des already uh, iterated, thank you for everybody that participated because uh, that's what makes the main event the main event. It's our feedback that we get from our listeners. So next up on the docket, we got the news. So Trader Joe, you got the mic. All right. Well, my first news story is actually going to be something in combination with the topic you wanted to bring to the table, Kevin. Uh, and this is regarding the uh, 2021 lineup of TVs from Hisense on there. So I don't know if you want to kind of roll into it and give a little description as far as what the 2021 lineup of the ULED TVs that they have available. But uh, uh, did you want to go in and, and take the mic on this one? Oh yeah, sure. I can I can go ahead and do that. Um, so first off, the uh, Hisense is for for those who may not know, is used to be known as Sharp. Um, and I after when my when it was time for my mom to replace her television set, I guess going back to uh, what was it twenty twenty nineteen twenty twenty around 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 that yeah twenty nineteen twenty twenty I think. Uh, I did a lot of research. Uh, my, you know, obviously my my mom's a senior citizen. She she ain't playing no games. She, you know, she she's just watching her shows and maybe occasionally watching a uh, uh, a Blu-ray, and that's really about it. So she didn't need a whole lot of she didn't need a whole lot of stuff for her TV. But after a whole lot of research and checking out. Some reviewers, some some folks on YouTube that uh, I trusted, I settled on the Hisense H9G, and uh, it's been a great TV for. Her. Um, so I was definitely based on the the excitement that my mom has shared with me over, you know, her TV, how much she likes it, and how she really enjoys the color, and and you know, and it. All, all this all this stuff I was really interested to see what they were going to bring for 2020 hopefully some stronger uh, gaming oriented options and they did so <clears throat> they did of course with covid they did an online um, they did an online presentation showcasing their 2021 uh, lineup and they did this on May 5th. Uh, it was hosted by Joel McHale, and uh, it, it, the the actual presentation wasn't bad. I thought it, it it ranged from mildly cringe to moderately funny. 
but the the important the important things that they talked about was the upcoming TV. So first up, they got the U the U six G, which is a four K set, quantum dot color, full local array, full full local array dimming, six hundred nits of brightness, and that's going to be kind of like their their entry level for twenty twenty one. The next TV, and, and it was interesting because um, for a while, folks thought that the the next TV is the U7G. Uh, for a while, folks thought that the uh, U7G was the H9G replacement for 2021, but that, that's not actually the case. Uh, but the U7G is the gamer-oriented TV. Uh, again, 4K, it's a 4K panel with a native 120 hertz refresh rate, which is really cool. Uh, it's got a thousand nits of peak brightness, and it, it actually comes with uh, uh, HDMI 2.1 ports. The and, and what they're calling uh, game mode pro, um, and basically, lo what that means is low low input lag, uh, all the things that, that those of us who are into gaming, who make gaming it, it gaming our primary choice uh, when, when choosing a television, uh, you're probably going to want to look at the U7G, uh, particularly once we get to the price point. But up from the U7G, we have the U8G, which boosts the, the peak brightness up to 1,500 nits. Uh, still has all of the gaming-oriented uh, uh, goods that the U7G has. And I want to say, if, if I'm remembering a review I saw of the U8G, uh, it, it has a, it has three, two, no, it has two uh, HDMI 2.1 uh, uh, ports out of, and it's got, I think it's got four or five ports on the back. Uh, it's five. It's five. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. And the flagship, which is the one that, uh, which, which is actually pretty killer. It is the, what they're, what they're calling the dual screen. Uh, they're calling it the U the U nine DG. So basically, it is a or dual cell. Sorry. So it's basically taking two screens and splicing them together. The purpose being to give you OLED level color. Means you know you get those deep inky blacks. You get that color saturation. That 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 color contrast that only OLED can give you but giving you much brighter nits and none of the burn-in. And th this TV sounds... It, I, when, I, when I saw it in the presentation, this TV is, looks absolutely amazing. I personally can't wait to see the reviews on it. It is a TV that I personally cannot use because it's coming in a size that is way too big for my space. And... It's it's coming in at a price that while is excellent for the TVs that it's going to be competing, uh, I I I'm just not ready to spend. I'm not just not ready to spend that that kind of money on it on a TV. I'm, I'm just not. So basically, and that brings us to the to the prices as announced by Hisense. So the um, the U6G starts in at 
500 bucks or 499 for the 50 inch 549 for the 55 inch 749 for the 65 inch and 1099 for the 75 inch TV the U7G comes in at starts at a 55 inch for $749 now this is the the TV that is uh, gaming oriented or or gaming oriented on a on a on a budget rather uh, the 65 inch comes in at $949. The 75 inch comes in at $1399. Uh, and according to the article, it's going to be available later this summer. It's actually available now, as along with the U8G. Uh, that pri its price points come in at uh, 55 for the 55 inch is 949. 65 inch is 1299. And the U9DG, or the dual cell, only has one size, which is 75 inches, which makes it unusable for my space, and uh, comes in at $3,499. Um, so um, I have watched, just when thinking about my what, I would, what I'm going to be going for hopefully sometime this year, uh, after seeing some reviews from some cats that I trust on YouTube, I was originally going to go with the LG C1. Um, I, I, I was really willing to take the risk with OLED and burn in from what I was seeing on the C1. But after seeing the reviews for the uh, U8G, uh, that's going to be my TV. Um it comes in in the screen sizes that would be, be best compatible for my uh, for my gaming space, and it it it's punching well above its belt. I mean, it's going toe to toe with Sony's uh, A9J uh, for Samsung's uh, flagship TVs. That I mean, we're talking about TVs that start that are starting at twenty seven, twenty eight hundred dollars for a fifty five inch, and just skyrocketing up from there. And it's outperforming them. It is literally outperforming them at that price point. So um, I'm going to be looking at the UAG uh, when it's time to get my to replace my wonderful uh, six hundred hertz Panasonic plasma that has served me oh so well. <laughs> over the years but uh, but yeah that's what uh hisense had to offer with their uh, 2021 lineup so what do you guys think i'm definitely interested i mean i'm you know i'm thinking between the i was first looking at the gamer line that the u7g but i figured i'd rather have the extra nits yeah and grab the u8g if i was going to grab one so it might be something that could possibly work on there. I know Desmond just recently picked up a Hisense. He also got a H9G uh, recently. So I know that he's been singing the praises of that TV. So yeah, it's a great you know. TV, but I, yeah, but I ain't going to be upgrading for a while now. So <laughs> I got none to add. Oh, in your gaming room, you think about upgrading or like yeah. now nah, you're good. I like, I like my TCL. Good deal. I like yeah, it. Good. I, I like mine too. Uh, only only bump I want to see is I want to get free sync and G sync and 120 hertz support because I'm right, right now I'm rocking a Vizio um, Quantum and so I, I like the HDR. I got a lot of nits to deal with and uh, 
you know, even though it's only a 60 hertz panel, I'm, I'm still liking it a lot. I mean, it's a 2018 uh, Vizio, you know, quantum dot. I think it's the P, I believe. So, mm-hmm. so you know, if I upgrade this year, I might I'd probably grab the uh, Hisense. But I know a lot of people just love OLED, including our listeners. So, you know, if you have any opinions, you know, definitely send us a vessel line or pipe up in the Discord once this episode's out and let us know. You know, maybe we shouldn't be looking at Hisense. Maybe we need to just go lg and no nothing else you know oled for life <laughs> so there is know. a yeah there is a great comparison between the u8g and the lgc1 uh put on by my favorite uh, tv reviewer quantum tv on youtube check that out um this high sense is punching way above its belt Basically, in short, the only thing that the LG, if I'm remembering the review correctly, that the LG has is when you're watching movies, it has slightly better color. But even the gaming options on the Hisense are outgun the the LG C1. And that's not to say that the LG C1 is a bad TV. It's it's actually very good. Um, but when you're ta- you're talking about 55 inches for the LG C1 comes in about 1,800 bucks. 55 inches for the you know for the for the UAG. Uh, what was it like 979? You know under a thousand. Um, this this brand just hits above its belt so well, and because um, like I was ready to go ahead and and rock with the LG, but after seeing the reviews of the U8G, I think that's that's going to be the one I'm going to be rocking. Plus, it's got higher nits. Uh, they've already said that um, reviewers uh, from Quantum and a couple of others have already said that the that it looks like LG has artificially lowered the nit level on the C1. So that the G series can be uh, seen as the higher nits for their OLED lineup, um, and the reason they come to that conclusion is because after real-world testing, the C1 nits are actually lower than the CX or the C10 from last year, which doesn't make any sense. And the G1 actually has either the same or slightly higher nit output. Uh, than than as the C10 from last year, which shows that they were playing some, doing a little shenanigans when it comes to the comes to the nits and kind of taking away the power, the the brightness aspect, so that they could give it to the flagship, try and get you to spend more money, uh, then, you know, then putting that and, and kind of reducing the the abilities of the C1 artificially, so. But check out that check out that that uh, that that YouTube uh, Quantum TV, and he does a comparison with the C1 and the uh, the UHG. It's very good, very insightful. Even the Joe McHale like uh, promo videos is funny in some instances. So, like you said, Kevin, so. mm-hmm. some instances. So, <laughs> yeah. So, check that out. So, all right. Let's kind of resume the normal news. You know, we got our TV talk in. This is awesome. 
first thing on the docket, uh, Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance is going to be launching straight into Xbox Games Pass. So if you've been on the fence with this game, it is going to be available on Xbox One, Series X and S, Windows 10 PC, phones and tablets, via Xbox Cloud Gaming with Xbox Games Pass on June 22nd. A game is also available on PS4, PS5, and also supports PC and console crossplay at launch on there. So, and after this drop, it's like, okay, I've already pre-ordered this game for 60 bucks <laughs> with a steelbook. And it's like, okay, or I could play it day one for free on Games Pass. Any opinions, you guys, as far as, um, I mean, we're still day one on this, right? Uh, yes, because you guys are. So Okay. <laughs> Well, well, you're the one that were that was I, hyping. This you're game. on the fence. I know, but the problem was like they have no magic class. It's all like it's all straight up, um, you know, hack and slash type of thing. So I mean, you'll have like magic that affects your weapons and stuff. But I'm just kind of like, uh, but I'm getting, I'm getting, um, what was it called? I'm getting um, Vermintide you know, love from it. And that's fine, I guess. But it's just like, you know, I don't know. So, but I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. Uh, I'm going to see what's up. Um, although they are releasing a uh, souped up version of the original Dark Alliance. So I'm kind of wondering what that's going to be like is as well, though. I'm going oh, to have yeah. to come on a sale because it, they want, they want it the same price as the new game. And I'm like, yeah, no, 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 no. That's not how yeah. we roll, buddy. It's like that's yeah, not. I was going to talk about that in a minute, actually. Yeah. So that's not how we roll. Nope. Oh, uh, I'm thinking I'm still going to come through with my purchase, even though I know I could play, you know, for quote unquote free. It's not free. It's part of my service with Games Pass, and I just don't know if I want to have to deal with one and having to, you know, do the whole Skype business to talk with you guys as far as if I was going to do cross-platform play, and then I. Uh, I don't, I don't know if they're going to have any dual sense capabilities, but you know, hey, it, it's something to say that you actually own something versus just getting it on a service. Because who knows if they decide to pull it or whatnot, you know? Yeah, so, well, I I doubt I doubt I will even have an Xbox by the time this game comes out. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll be the last. I'm kind of I'm kind of I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of limited yeah, you know. to. The... I'm kind of limited to to one platform anyway, so. Yeah, I was gonna ask actually next time I go to GameStop to see if they have any like hey any Series X's on the side kind of thing. So I know you're just chomping at the bit right there, Kevin. <laughs> so. I wouldn't say chomping at the bit. I'm just I'm I've I'm just not going to pay for one, and, and I have credit to to get it. So so yeah, I mean. If, if they have one, but I'm not buying a bundle. I'm not paying extra for a bundle. Oh yeah. And yeah. I'm not, uh, and I'm not paying out of pocket for one. I, I will use my store credit when, when available. So. Good deal. Well, just like Desmond alluded to, um, you know, they did decide to go ahead and release Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, the original PS2 Xbox one, not the Xbox, the original Xbox <laughs> and GameCube uh, port and they brought it to modern consoles so and uh, they brought it out but they brought it out at a $30 price point on this old game which you know it's cool but uh, after people kind of got the game and started playing it saw that the uh, remaster wasn't that much they just brought it up to 
current resolutions and they didn't even add any uh, online multiplayer or anything like that. So um, right now the Switch version is still MIA because I guess they're just still trying to get it to work. <laughs> and then the PC port is still in the works, is coming later on this year. And they're going to ensure that it has online co-op using Steam's remote play on there and that they said that a uh, release of Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2 is on the table. So if you don't know about Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2, that was the like the out of all the games, like the overhead dungeon crawling Diablo inspired uh, D&D games and the uh, Champions of Norath and Champions Return to Arms on the PlayStation 2 that a lot of people hold this game in high regard and um, if you look at the resale market, as far as the retro market for Dark Alliance 2, it's a game that constantly gets like, you know, $60, $70 where you have to pick it up on there because it's out of print, that kind of thing. So, so we kind of look forward to hopefully getting that game out. Um, like Desmond said, Dark Alliance 1 is definitely in my wheelhouse, but I'm not going to pay 30 bucks for it. So <laughs> I don't think you're paying 30 bucks for it either, right, Des? No. What's your go-to? 15? If it was half off? If it was half off, I'd probably pick it up. Yeah, good deal. Well, we'll have to take a look and see how how this evolution of Baldur's Gate kind of goes as far as the Dark Alliance series for the future. So, All right, next thing I want to talk about. This is kind of an older news article, but something we want to talk about a little bit here. But uh, after uh, Microsoft was in negotiations with Discord for a possible acquisition, I don't know, he said, she said, who got cold feet, but uh, soon afterwards, uh, Jim Ryan, uh, CEO of Sony uh, PlayStation, uh, announced that uh, that they are going to be working with Discord uh, to integrate Discord chat uh, for PlayStation Network by 2022 on here. So And so there is an alliance, there is an investment that Sony... Uh, made with Discord, so they put a little cash on the table on there, and uh, they are going to be integrating some aspects of Discord with the PlayStation OS. So uh, it's kind of good news because uh, we often, like we've been singing the praises of Discord on this show, we use Discord to talk, play Monster Hunter, and I'm thinking it's kind of cool that uh, we'll be able to bring a little bit more implementation, possibly even have a uh, Discord channel on the PlayStation uh, for gaming vessels. That would be awesome. So on there. So, and, you know, just, I don't don't know what happened with Microsoft. And, you know, I know uh, Xbox fans are hoping that there's still, even though that this partnership's in place, that there's still some sort of Discord support for the Xbox. We'll have to, you know, see how that kind of works and take it from there, you know, but uh, uh, it's something that we're looking forward to and we'll something to look forward to in the future on here. Um, and hopefully this means that Sony's a little bit more supportive of crossplay as well on there. Maybe if this comes about that, you know, if, uh, you know, we have some fans out there, some listeners that, you know, want to play the games past version of dark Alliance. They don't want to plunk down the 40 or 60 bucks that we could play with them and we could talk to them, you know, so. Any opinions, you guys, on this Discord integration with PlayStation? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, um, particularly since this whole Apple versus uh, Epic, uh, these documents have leaked out to the public due to this court support. 
or or this court to this lawsuit um and it's kind of interesting one of those documents was talking about how sony wants to get paid for crossplay and it i think i think it's hilarious um running having something like discord might be, be a benefit of benefit to them of collecting that data over regarding how many people are utilizing the cross play spending their money through other stores and then utilizing the cross play feature through PSN because that's how and I I forget the exact details of how that all plays out they they get paid off of basically people that utilize the PlayStation network but spend their money for the DLC on other on other storefronts it, it, it it's hilarious so actually utilizing having something like Discord might actually be of benefit to them collecting that data um and as far as using Discord uh for you know just like like you mentioned uh just to play Monster Hunter I mean it's great I mean you can you have your your servers, you can have your, you know, do your posts, and it, you know, I'm. It's where I send all my stuff as opposed to Twitter. I mean, Twitter has just kind of become boring and more or less just a, a dumpster fire. You know, I'll I'll occasionally <laughs> post there, but usually everything that I would normally post on Twitter just goes to just goes to Discord. Yeah, the whole thing about the crossplay is that I guess they have a payment policy for games that earn a significant portion of their money on other platforms other than the PS4. So they state in the documentation if the proportion of PSN revenue share divided by the PS4 gameplay share for a title's less than 85% in any given month, then the partner will pay Sony a royalty to offset the reduction in revenue. So they basically I think that's said, hilarious. They want to get paid, and so if that like you so know, hilarious. they're buying their Fortnite, sense. Fortnite bucks on the Apple like uh, OS, and or you know, doing on Android or whatnot. You know, it just depends. So, uh, for an example, the shows a, a game earning one million in a month across all platforms. Oh, Sony, no crossplay royalties if nine hundred thousand of that came from PSN, but if. Uh, uh, if it got below the 85% uh, threshold, then they'd have, they'd have to pay pay up. So mm, I hate that. That is hilarious. I think that is absolutely because here's the thing though, like when you look at it from a corporate a corporate standpoint, if you're the com- you're the industry leader as far as units sold, consoles sold, boxes in homes, right? What does pro- crossplay benefit to you? It, it really doesn't benefit you at all. Um, and people, you know, obviously, is it better for the, yeah, I can play with my friends. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, if I'm for the, and I'm not, I'm not captain multiplayer. So, you know, honest, obviously, you know, maybe what I'm saying has, has no merit, but if I'm going to jump into a multiplayer game and my, and I'm on PlayStation, if I'm like, say, I'm going to jump into Dragon Ball fighters, I don't have a problem getting getting into a match getting into a game there is a there is a huge community on playstation for me to jump in and play some games right um i i don't see the 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 whole cross play thing benefits your competitor when they ain't got no games 
and I, and, I, and I'm not being fanboyish about it. I'm just I'm just saying the facts. Xbox has struggled, has been riding the coattails of third party in order to to make their system relevant up until now. And hopefully that's going to change shortly with the acquisition of Bethesda and its subsequent studios and developers that come under that umbrella. So hopefully they will do better. But that's what this whole thing was all about. And I, as I've said before, let's let us turn back the clock to the 360 PS3 days when Sony came in with hat in hand to, to Microsoft, asking them if they would be interested in doing crossplay with the PS3 and the Xbox 360. And uh, Microsoft and company told them to go pound sand. Why? Yep. Because it was of no benefit to the industry leader, at least in the U.S., to have your competitor ride your coattails for cross-play support. Yeah, so that was again, a defiance back in the day. Yeah, defiance. Yeah. There was Microsoft saw no benefit, and they. I think that was a smart business move. Why help your competitor? Make step your game up. You know. Yeah. There's a direct quote from Gio Corsi. He wrote in the epic um, letters back and forth, and this got revealed in court. It said there is a lot of great ideas in there for continued partnership. However. Cross-platform play is not a slam dunk, no, no matter the size of the title. As you know, many companies are exploring this idea, and not a single one can explain how cross-console play improves the PlayStation business. Facts. <laughs> you know, it's and I'm there. sure I'm sure someone at Microsoft sent a similar a similar note to the PlayStation representative when they came hat in hand asking for cross-play back in the 360 PS3 days. So. Let's 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 be let's be real and let's not white knight about this stuff. These are this is business. Yeah, I mean, I remember back in the day reading the Defiance story, saying that the developers of that game went to Microsoft, and Microsoft basically said that you know Xbox Live is a paid experience, and some BS <laughs> response, basically saying that they weren't going to bother to integrate with another system. Unfortunately, so as they should, it they're freaking competitors. Yeah. You know that, that that's the, you know that that that's that's market market share one hundred and one, right? Why help your competition? Yep. Step your game up. Yep. All right. So next news story is going to be talking about a, a game developer that actually one of our hosts here lo loves very very much. Uh, Image Inform Games have actually changed their name. They're actually going to be. Uh, going under the uh, developer name of Steam World on there. So there's several new Steam World games in development on here. And because of that, they have basically changed the name of their development studio to Steam World Games on there. So well, good for them. I mean, I, I don't blame them. I mean, it's, it's brand recognition. So you do you, buddy. Yeah. Y'all, so. I mean, I liked the name um, of the original, but, you know, hey, they're doing it this way. It sounds good. I mean, well, it's their Twitter handle. It's actually, they're, um, they're, um, they're merging with the Thunderful games, actually. So the studio name is Thunderful, not Image and Form anymore. So I apologize for that. No, um, I mean, it's, but, it's a very interesting name. 
um, to do it. But hey, I'm more than happy for them. They are they are awesome. I I love them, and I cannot wait to see what else they do. Yeah, and um, they are working on multiple games in the Steam World series, as well as working on uh, the gunk for Xbox right now, which uh, we'll probably see more of in the next upcoming weeks once E3 rolls around. But uh, you know, good to see that that company is still trucking you know so mm-hmm. fantastic and, and then there's another um, game that got announced that kind of caught the eye of desmond and kind of wanted to mention here but uh, uh there is a game called uh kataria fables which is going to be launching uh for ps5 xbox series playstation 4 xbox one switch and pc via steam on september 3rd it's being published by p p cube on here and it's from developer twin hearts on here so uh if you like games in the rune factory slash uh steam stardew valley kind of a wheelhouse uh, this is going to kind of fit uh your wheelhouse on here so but the kataria fables is a uh, action adventure rpg with farming and crafting on there but you play as a cat and play as a cat, and you're in uh, the Paw Village on here, and then you're going to have to go ahead and uh, investigate the wildlife around Paw Village to in- defend its citizens against increasingly aggressive monsters and creatures on there. So I'm here for Matt, it. I know. We're mentioning it right here because Desmond's going to be all in it to win it. Uh, you're able to obviously go out in the field and do melee weapons, bows, so on and so forth. You're able to gather, craft, and farm for those people that love that. And then there's also going to be a local co-op mode with Steam remote play supported. Hopefully it does have a remote play for PlayStation as well supported. So if me and Des want to get our cat on on there and uh, buddy up on there, that we'll be able to do so Day one. on here. So. Any thoughts on this, Des? Day one. Day one. Day one, buddy. That's all I got to say. Right. Day one. <laughs> Anything, <one>? Kevin? <laughs> Kevin's he's he's shook by it. Shook I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry about that. Uh, no. This is this is just a solid. No, thank you. <laughs> I thought you were a cat guy. Kevin, yeah, but... yeah, I'm a cat guy. I mean, I, I'm kind of interested in that. Uh, maybe that that uh, what is that? What was the name of that? The PlayStation where Fist. you're the cat? No, where you're the cat cat courier service? The cat that's delivering. They oh. was on. Oh yeah, no, I totally forgot about that. Uh, I yeah, I can't remember that. I can't remember the name of that. It, it might be cat or something like that. No, it's, 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 some, it, it's something similar. Or it's something where it's like a one or two syllable word, but yeah, but stray, no. stray, yeah, yeah. I will be check. I would check out stray. Uh, th- this really doesn't seem like it's in my wheelhouse. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, uh, the art style in this game is very cutesy, like hand drawn overhead, like uh, you know, Zelda slash you know, Rune Factory slash. Uh, harvest moon type but uh hey you know if, if anyone out there is excited for it let us know when maybe we'll talk about closer to launch on there so all right next thing i want to mention uh, the game that we kind of forgot about me and desmond kind of dropped like a hot potato 
people can fly is a co-op focus looter shooter outriders um has received a bit of a mixed critical reception at launch because it's broken but <laughs> publisher square enix seems pretty happy with the public response saying that the game is quote unquote poised to be the company's next big franchise they are stating that 3.5 million unique players flocked to the experience in its first month on there so besides even though there was issues at launch, Square now says that Outriders has seen over 3.5 million unique players since launch, amassing average playtimes over 30 hours and extremely high engagement for co-op play on here. They said Square says Outriders is now on track to become the company's quote-unquote next major franchise, <laughs> suggesting more installments could eventually be on the way. Not bad for a game that everyone written off because of the reviews and technical issues on there. So uh, People Can Fly says, very grateful the community's support and feedback and offers assurances that we'll continue to listen carefully and that it's committed to improving and enhancing the experience in the coming weeks and months on there. So uh, they are going to be celebrating the news of the 3.5 million concurrent users uh, with limited time price promotions across all platforms and running until the end of May. Um, as far as the issues with the loot and everything we talked about in previous issues, I know patches have gone out. I haven't played the game in a month at least, so um, I'd be looking forward to maybe getting back to it. Anytime soon, Des, or what's, what's your feeling on Outriders at the moment? Um, I'll probably end up playing it again. But there's just been other games that have just been so much better. So I can't, I can't really say yay or nay about it. Again, yeah. it's just there's other games that are playing that are just that are just better. No, no, no ill will towards towards them or anything. It's just there's just other games that are just better. You know, it is. They're just they're just better. <laughs> I don't know if you think about maybe going back into it maybe once Kev picks it up on a Black Friday oh, deal or something. I'm definitely if Kev if Kev was to pick it up and be like, hey, I'm gonna play this game, I'd be like, okay, cool. You know, we can definitely go back and, and check it out. But but as it stands right now, it's like eh, I'm I'm just really still into Rise, you know, hanging out and doing Rise stuff. So that's my fun. Yeah. And as much as we hyped it up, I mean, even though like the Character creator could have been better, um, for sure. There's limited choice with that. The multiplayer was fun. Um, I enjoyed when we were playing it, but uh, it was buggy. So, yeah, this, yeah, I, I, I will see this on the steep sale. Yeah. Steep sale. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I, and I, and I want to play it. I do want to play it. It's just that I've got, you know, I've got right now. I've got some other games that I'm playing right now. I've got Ratchet and Clank coming up. Um, it, you know, I I'm not I'm not missing Outriders, and I can put that. Yeah, I can. I'll wait until it goes on sale. Uh, before before I can I can I can jump in and. Gotcha. You know, maybe maybe on Game Pass if I if I get an Xbox before <laughs> it, I'm ready to buy you know rebuy the game again. I don't know. All right. Well, there's a, another new uh, old game that is making its way finally uh, after 
being hinted at in a Homefront the Revolution, where you actually play a, a version of one of the games in the series. Time Splitters is coming back with support of publisher Deep Silver. They have announced the reformation of Free Radical Design, a new studio that will start development the next entry in the Time Splitters franchise in the coming months on there. So, and so I don't know if people just kind of latched on to Time Splitters. It was an originally a PS2 launch shooter, which ultimately ultimately led to Time Splitters 2, which a lot of people probably uh consider their favorite out of the series and then time splitters three on there so this is kind of the um kind of origin of this studio that originally created time splitters came from rare and uh some of the developers that originally worked on goldeneye on here so in free radical design uh basically is building up the studio again uh to be able to work on this game and uh that they are planning out a new time splitter so and I'm interested because I, you know, I played a little bit of all three games in the series and I kind of liked it. It wasn't like something where I was just all playing for hours and hours at a time, but I felt like it was a really good first person shooter at the time for that. Uh, any thoughts, you guys, on Time Splitters coming back the series at least? So, I mean, I'd be interested in checking it out. It's been a while I mean, the last, the only thing I remember about Time Splitters is like there was one level where I'm shooting a bunch of monkeys with guns. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember if that was the original or the sequel. I never played the third. Um, but I mean, I thought it was kind of an interesting game. So yeah. I'd be interesting to see how, how, what that translates into a current gen environment. Yeah. And, you know, it would be kind of cool just to get a little bit less serious, like, you know, FPS series going where, you know, it could kind of be uh, fantasy based and a little bit, you know, kind of just more video gaming <laughs> versus mm -hmm. all these realistic FPS games coming out or sci-fi or whatnot, you know, so a little sense of humor with it. So, mm -hmm. so something to look forward to in the next year or two. So. Any thoughts, Des, or never played Time Splitters all that much? Never played it. So and I am not all that into it. So y'all right. have, have have a good time. Knock, Knock yourself out. out. All right. <laughs> and last but not least, there's a couple of new games coming out this upcoming week I want to kind of mention. Um, Super Bomberman R Online is going to be launching on May 27th. It's coming out for PS4, Switch. PC and then later for Xbox One. And so it is free to play. So if you want to get your Bomberman on, uh, Konami is going to be introducing new in game seasons for all platforms, including the Stadia version on here. So each season will last three months and bring new items, cosmetics, and a new Bomber Hero. Uh, season one is headlined by the addition of Old Snake Bomber from Metal Gear Solid. Uh, which you could purchase with bomber coins on here and seasonal content may only be acquired during each season. And of course there is a battle pass. So uh, consider consisting of silver passes and gold passes on here. So, so if you want to like spend that money and get some uh, bomber man skins, I don't know about that business, but uh, you could go in and actually purchase the optional premium pack for $10 that will give you access to 14 additional bomber characters that pay homage to classic Konami IPs such as Gradius, Silent Hill, Castlevania, and more on here. So 
any thoughts on Bomberman, Super Bomberman or online? Are you guys going to be checking this out or not? I could not get into Bomberman. I, I've tried playing it on several occasions, and I, I, I see the fun factor of it, but it, it, it just never, I just never could get it to vibe with me. So I'll, I'll probably be passing on this one. Uh, same. I probably will play it at your house. So. <laughs> but it's free. You can't, you know, if you're going to play it, you might as well play it at your house, right? No, but I want to play it with you where it's fun. I guess we could play it online, though. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'll probably be, I'll check it out. I'm going to download it at least. So, And then last but not least, um, in the next game in the Earth Defense Force series, World Brothers is going to be released. Shadow dropping almost because they just barely announced this three days ago. It's coming out on May 27th on there. So this is the voxel version, the like Minecraft looking version of EDF on here so it's coming out both on steam uh switch and they said the ps4 store page is coming soon on here um you know uh one thing that's kind of pointing out to me a little bit on this is it's retailing for 60 bucks on switch and 60 bucks on steam and it's developed by Ukes, which is the same developer that developed Earth Defense Force Iron Rain as well. So, so it is not being developed by Sandlot. It is being developed by Ukes. So, so after after seeing these two items in a fifty nine ninety nine price point, and actually I was browsing the Steam page. And currently, right now, in the typical EDF fashion, there is 18 DLCs <laughs> that are pending to be available once the game is out. So, including 18, 18 DLCs. So that's enough? Yeah. Uh, they have like things like Ranger EDF 4, Team Omega Colors, and Special Gear. So, they have different colors from different EDFs for each of the character classes. And then they have also have like uh, Ant anime hostesses uh coming in <laughs> on there so like yeah earth defense force world brothers additional character ryu futaba classic hostess costume so i'm gonna get a pixelated costume of my favorite anime hostess with the mostess uh, for mm. an extra extra cost so <laughs> sounds great Waif waifus representing in in, 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 in edf great. okay <laughs> Looking in, in voxel, nonetheless. Yeah, they, they have uh, th three skins, uh, hostesses from the Dream Club game, which is just nothing but a bunch of uh, uh, anime girls in, in uh, maid costumes, basically, for EDF World Brothers. So, I mean, they've always had kind of ridiculous uh, extra skins and stuff to download, but, you know, I, I don't want them to take EDF and make it in the dead or alive either, you know, so but uh the having ukes being available at this and knowing how iron rain kind of <laughs> sucked hit, hit like a wet thud i don't know if i'll, I'll be uh, picking this up for 60 bucks at launch or not this is a hard pass i'm sorry <laughs> uh, uh and i love edf traditional edf but i was i was scratching my head when i first saw the trailer of this game i I don't I don't need my EDF and and uh uh Minecraft Minecraft crossing the streams. I really don't. 
So I think this will be a hard pass, especially at 60 bucks. Uh, no, thank you. I want to support the series too. And it looks, screenshots look crazy, but I'm going to wait for impressions. I'll kind of take it from there on that. So, you know, if, if maybe I could get a PS4 physical edition and know that it runs on PS5 <laughs> at close to 60 frames a second, because, you know, I've always EDF games are, you know, obviously running at a frame rate of <laughs> little to none on there. So. Little to none. I hate you. Get on the Switch. There you oh. go. Perform even better. <laughs> wow. I'll, I'll play it on the Switch <laughs> with you, Des. How about that? I let's do it. All right. You ain't heard my you ain't heard my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> when when do you come to think about it? I mean it's voxel graphics, so it's like when am I gonna benefit anyway? I mean, I guess Switch would be okay. So Oh. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. No problem. <laughs> come down here and uh what is it and, and slumming it with me. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> And guess what? That's the end of our news. Hey, no problem. Hey, 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 hey. hey. <laughs> done. Yeah, yeah. Cont- contact. You can reach our show at gamingvessels at gmail.com. That's the email you're going to want to use if you've heard something on this show that you want to respond to, or if you would like to actually be on the show to have your opinions of our favorite hobby of gaming. Brought a broadcast out to our listeners. You're going to want to send an email to gamingvessels at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at gamingvessels and our individual social media accounts. We all have those. Uh, I can be reached on Twitter at shonuff71, which is S H O N U F number 71. PSN, I am shonuff7, same spelling with the number 7. On Xbox Live, I am shown up 071 with zero, same spelling 071 on the end. And on Switch, I can be found at with my Switch code as 7658-2155-3309. And on Steam, I am shown up 71, same spelling as originally. So, Des, where can folks get a hold of you at? All righty, y'all. Uh, you can find me at PSN, uh, Nemo, us PSN and Steam actually is Nemo Tigger. That's N E M O T G G R. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Nemo Six. That's S I X, not the number six. And my Nintendo friend code is five two eight zero six six seven four four five one nine. And as always, please send us a little message letting us know. How you found out about us and who you—not really who you are—but how you how you know us, because uh, we want to talk to people, not bots. So please, please do that. Uh, Joe, where can folks find you, buddy? Uh, they can find me on PSN and Steam under the username Kaminagara, K A M U N A G A R A. Xbox, uh, same username Kaminagara, K A M U N A G A R A, with a six nine. Nine five at the end. Uh, Nintendo friend code is four seven one two five nine five three one four zero nine. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. My Twitter handle is at Joe Fongol, J O E F O N G U L. Be prepared for contest contest entries on my Twitter <laughs> handle with Desmond being tagged in each and every one. So 
<laughs> of course. <sighs> and we would be negligent if we did not mention our Discord server. Our Discord community is growing uh, pretty nicely. We have a wide variety of opinions and great conversations going on over there. Uh, everybody's nice. Everybody's respectful. Uh, and I would invite all of our listeners to hit us up and join us over there on Discord. There is no waiting period. Uh, you know, you just click the link that you will find on whatever podcast aggregate program that you use to download this show. It's included in our link. It's also in our link on Twitter. Click that, join our Discord server, have some fun talking about video games and joining us in game nights uh, over there on Discord. So with that, that's going to bring episode 124 of the Gaming Vessels podcast to a close. Again, thanks to everyone who chimed in on our main event. Uh, you guys make that, or not just that section, but the show. I mean, you know, without y'all listening and participating, you'd, we'd just be three old dudes just, just yapping into the ether. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you so much for participating in that. For Dez, a.k.a. the Bay Area Terror, a.k.a. the High-Res Hater, a.k.a. the Cat Daddy, a.k.a. Gamer Step Daddy, and for Trader Joe, a.k.a. the Food Max of Gaming, who will maximize your gaming dollar, I'm Shownuff71, saying we'll be back next week with a new show. And again, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Peace!